What could I possibly offer to God? What could any of us possibly offer to God? The answer is simple, it's nothing. To think that we could actually offer something of value to God is like thinking that I could actually buy Bill Gates something that he needs. Or that I could actually teach Cristiano Ronaldo a new dribbling drill that he hasn't yet mastered. It's silly to think that we have something of value to offer to God. Now, there is something we can offer to God, but we can't start there. And sometimes our temptation is to start with, what can I give to God? But the danger in starting by thinking about what is it that I can give to God, that I can offer to God, is then it starts to take on the nature of a job, where I offer a service and I get paid for that service. It's an exchange. So I offer to God this act of charity, I offer to God this prayer, and then God will give me in return the things that he promises. And while sometimes that is true, it's not the starting point. If it's the starting point of our faith, we start off on the wrong foot. We have to start from a place of realizing our want, our need for something that we can't get ourselves. This is why St. Paul says that the beauty and the mystery of our faith is that Jesus, who was rich, the glory of heaven was his. And for our sake, he left his richness and became poor. He became one who wanted who needed like us, so that through his poverty, we might become rich. The starting point for faith is want. And we see that beautifully in the two different experiences in the gospel, which speak to us because in a moment of death, in a moment of great sickness, it's easy to see and to recognize we need something. We need someone, we need help. And so the woman who's been hemorrhaging for 12 years has exhausted all of her options. Every doctor that she goes to see doesn't give her any help and she's just getting worse. She wants healing. But she sees her healing and she doesn't try to make it happen her way. She opens herself up to Christ. If I but touch his clothes, and then with Jairus and his daughter. His daughter is sick to the point of death. He's desperate. He wants. But then there's a distinction that's made. Because with the woman, people are following Jesus. But when they come and tell Jairus that his daughter has already died and not to bother the teacher anymore, Jairus could have said, it's too late. I no longer have a need that you can fill. But instead, Jesus says, don't fear, but believe. And then it says that he doesn't allow anyone to follow him. And then when he gets to the house, the people who are wailing and weeping, when he says that I can still do something here, they laugh at him. So he sends them away. And all that are left in the house are those who are still willing to acknowledge to Jesus they have a want and he can fill it. Our life of faith starts from a place of wanting. 
But one of the things in our society that keeps us from being able to acknowledge that readily is our money. Our affluence prevents us from seeing more clearly our want because it creates in us a semblance of self-sufficiency. Anything that I might need, I can pay for it. I can get it for myself. Whether that's food that I need, I go to the grocery store, I pay for it, I buy it, I get it. Whether it's healthcare, healthcare, you pay for it, you get it. Whether it's psycho psychological help, you go and you can pay for it and you get it. You can even pay for a friend, someone to hang out with you. We can pay for anything and it creates in us this illusion of being self-sufficient. And we start to lose our awareness that we want. We want for something that we don't have. And that's what the Book of Wisdom says in our first reading, that we are made for immortality. That God has given us a share in His eternity. That's why we want. It's ingrained in us to want. But if that want is directed by our self-sufficiency, it steers off course. And on this Canada Day, we can look at the history of our own country to show us that. Explorers left Europe because they wanted. That they were running out of what they thought they needed in Europe, and they were looking to other lands to create a new life. And so they left the safety of home to come and to try and find a new land. And they arrived, and they found. But then, from their self-sufficiency, they came to this land, and they tried to make everything that was here according to their will. And they directed things their way, so that they could make themselves self-sufficient, and trampled on others in the process. That they came wanting, and there could have been a beautiful harmony between two cultures who had never met. But in the desire to do it on their own terms, there was brokenness. Some came and wanted and found. And you see experiences where people from European descent and people native to Canada come together. And where the, the two cultures blend. But it has to come from a starting point of want. And not what can I get out of this? Which can sometimes trickle into our life of faith. There's a story, apparently a true story, I didn't check, background check, so maybe this is fake news. But a story that I heard a priest tell of a man that he knew that lived somewhere in Asia, in an area where the Christian faith was persecuted, and he was a staunch believer. And he was willing to undergo any persecution that might come with living out his faith. And he never missed anything in the practice of his faith, whether it was mass, whether it was fasting and prayer. He took it all. And then he had the opportunity to immigrate to the United States. And he came over to the United States. And at the beginning, it was wonderful. The things that he didn't have back home, he finally had freedom to live out his faith, 
material resources to build up a new life for himself. But then slowly over time, he slowly allowed the life here to take over. And after only a decade of living in the United States, turned into an atheist because he no longer had any wants because the country that he was in could provide everything that he needed. We all want for something. We all do. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know exactly what that is. But if we approach our life of faith by what can I get out of it or what can I offer to God so I can get back in return what I'm looking for, we're not going to find faith. This is the reason why someone who struggles with addiction, often what needs to happen before their life can start to turn is that they hit rock bottom. Because when they hit rock bottom, they can finally admit, I want for help. But until then, they can't admit it, no matter how much harm they're causing to themselves. We are offered a savior who shows us that to want is okay. He becomes one who is poor to show us the way to find the riches that we're looking for, that we want. This is how our life of faith grows. And I'm sure if you look at your own life, because it's often what my spiritual director points back to me to remember, is that when you struggle to still hold on to belief, when doubt creeps in, when you struggle to live out the practice of your faith, how much of your life is dependent on your own decisions? And how often in your life do you stop and go, I want, I need, and I can't get it for myself? This is why fasting is important in our life of faith because it's willingly putting ourselves in a place of want to grow in our faith. This is why silence in our life is important, because it's putting us in a place of want before God. And in that moment, we give God the possibility of providing. Not because we want to take it for ourselves, not because we want it to happen our way, but because we're open. If we just touch the fringe, if we just receive one Eucharist, we'll receive what we want.